Welcome to another edition of Real Talk with Real People, a candid conversation with Dr. Caroline Bethia Jones, and I am your host. Over the first three months of the year, I had candid conversations with three women of God who shared their stories, shared their faith, and they shared their works. The topic is religion. And for the next three months, I will be having candid conversations with men of faith to hear their stories. 2020 may be over, but the start of 2021 sent our nation spinning out of control, proving the point that the world is in need of love. But where do the church fit into all of this? What is the church's current state? And what are the men's roles in instructing the next generation? This is a man's world after all. So let's hear what they have to say. So my guest today is Mr. Keith Harvey, but I'm going to call him Keith because he's a friend of mine. How are you today, Keith? I'm doing well, Sister Caroline, Miss Caroline, Miss Jones, all that good stuff. One of my best friends. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Always been someone that I could literally talk to and who always made me feel better. And uh, today was really no different. But we're going to talk today a little bit about faith and um, you're going to share with us and you've already shared with me but you're going to share again with my listening audience your faith walk and I'm going to give you the mic again and um, I hope you can indulge me again um, with your with your journey I want to say to my listening audience that I have been listening to Mr. Harvey I'm gonna call him Keith because he's a friend of mine for the last 35 minutes and I looked over only to realize that his recording was not being recorded because I pressed the wrong button. But I was so into what he was saying because, you know, he don't even realize that he was preaching a sermon and he was preaching it to me and it fell heavy on my heart. And I know that the Lord was speaking to me through him. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not even gonna be mad that I spent 35 minutes not recording because I received the message. And um, I know how God works, so I know that God had a message for me, but I also know that he has a message for you. So I know that he's going to continue and he's going to have something great to say because I know God's going to put it on his heart because everything that we do, we do in obedience to God. And it's not our voice that we hear, but we allow God to channel through us. So I know that God will channel through Keith again. So I'm going to ask him to tell us his story yet again. (laughs) And I apologize for not pressing the record button the first time. I'm more than happy to uh, repeat. Uh, I know I won't repeat it uh, verbatim, but definitely repeat the discussion that we had. And uh, I'll start off by saying uh, to the listening audience that you have to understand that when you have a relationship with God and when you are going through some challenges, that that is the perfect time for Satan to want to take you out. So Satan will send Satan's minions to do whatever they can to distract you and knock you off course and send you down a totally different path. And what we were talking about uh, 35 minutes or so earlier um, was a perfect example of that because um, we were having some challenges with getting recording set up. We started talking and 
my phone dropped coverage. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all because we know that the conversation that we're about to have is going to inspire someone. Mm-hmm. And Satan doesn't want that conversation to take place because Satan doesn't want your your walk to be enlightened or your soul to be saved if you're not a believer. Amen. And, and I will start with that. So uh, my faith walk um, is a journey that's ongoing. And hopefully for all of you, it is a journey that is also ongoing because the moment we feel that we've arrived is the moment that we will surely be lost. Now, for me, um, I can say that my my faith walk or my search, I should say, has probably started ever since I was a child. Uh, it wasn't until I had the um, opportunity to know God for myself that I um, had the flashbacks of of my youth, realizing that I had been learning about God since the day I could remember. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up uh, raised by my grandmother up until around age seven or eight. Um, my mother had me young. Uh, my grandmother, you know, like I said, as it dawned on me, what was really what had gone on in my past. My grandmother had been reading the book of Proverbs to me on a daily basis from as far back as I could probably begin to, to walk and talk. So when I started opening up the Bible and, and trying to navigate my way through it, it was it was odd and interesting to me that for some reason, when I got to this book of Proverbs, I understood what they meant. Now, I, I by no means am any scholar when it comes to, to knowing the Bible. Um, but the book of Proverbs always hit home with me, was always comfortable with me as I started to read the different verses in each of the uh, 31 books. And like I said, when, I, when, when the two and two finally came together, I realized this is what my grandmother had been teaching me uh, my whole life. And so, you know, began my, my, my search. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother's side of the family, Jehovah Witness. My father's side of the family, Baptist. We just happened to have the, uh, um, I don't know what you want to call it. I certainly wouldn't call it luck. But we just happened to inadvertently live right next door to the Kingdom Hall that, um, my mother's side of the family went to and um, we had to go. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now, mind you, my mother didn't go, but we had to go. Mm-hmm. So when I got up to age 13, um, I was told by my mom on my 13th birthday that uh, at 13, Jesus was uh, was able to go up, to be up, be up and about his father's business. So for that, you have the opportunity now to decide uh, what you want to do in terms of you and your relationship with God. And I was like, thank you, because I don't want to have anything to do with the kingdom hall. Not that I'm trying to knock you over witnesses, but I clearly do not believe in their faith. I don't believe in any faith that um, turns its back on its own family, flesh and blood family um, that says that if you, um, 
you know, for instance, if you were in need of blood, you and I are, are family, blood relatives, and my blood can save you. I can't give it to you. Mm -hmm. You have to get the, you know, plasma or whatever it is, the alternate that the hospitals may have, but I can't give you any of my life saving blood to save your life. To me, that just doesn't make sense. What kind of God would, 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 uh, would want that, would appreciate that, would approve of that. Um, not so much the other things, because I understand how they could be considered paganism. But, mm -hmm. you know, when it came to flesh and blood family and the do's and the don'ts, what that religion was offering didn't sit well with me. So I had to uh, distance myself from it. But that didn't stop the thirst inside of me from wanting to know why was I here? What is my purpose? Who is God? Why is God? How is God? You know? Those were always there. I wound up joining the Nation of Islam uh, for a short stint. And uh, I sold papers. I sold fish. I went to uh, the Fruit of Islam, the FOI classes. Um, I studied. And I learned more about myself as a young black male um, striving to become a black man. I learned more about myself in that religion than I have in any religion. And, and I and I say that humbly and I say that proudly. I'm grateful for the teachings that I learned. Mm -hmm. But but when um, when the teachings began to get more into the hatred that it has for the white man and the white man was uh, called Yakub, the uh, skunk of the earth. Um, then I started to have my doubts and whether or not this was the right way to walk because if God is love, what kind of God would uh, teach hate towards um, our fellow man simply because our fellow man doesn't look like us. Uh, evil comes in all shapes, forms, and sizes. Evil also comes in all races. So I don't have to be white to be evil. I can be any nationality and be evil. I can also be any nationality and be good. So that, um, you know, started to uh, begin my walk away from the nation of Islam, but still trying to find a quote unquote church home. And so uh, I went to some sanctified churches. Couldn't really fit in with them because I saw some of the, the, um, chicanery that was going on there um, attended a African uh, Methodist church and while I felt comfortable there my spirit was telling me that that wasn't the right place for me anytime there was an altar call there was I felt a need to want to join but at the same time I also felt in my spirit that this was not the place to join so I didn't. But eventually I got led down um, as I you know, moved around the state of New Jersey, um, living down here in Franklin Park. I got um, acquainted with uh, First Baptist Church of Lincoln Gardens, where uh, Pastor DeForest B. Soares is the senior pastor. And there is where I found my quote unquote church home. Um, this man takes the Bible, breaks it down, makes it plain and shows you how to apply the scriptures to everyday life. 
his message from the Bible to us um, resonates in my spirit because I think going back to the foundation that was laid by my grandmother, my grandmother raised me to believe that my body is the temple. So therefore my body is the church. Mm -hmm. So I don't need a church to go to in order to be in church with God or, to, or in other words, to be in relationship with God, because it's all about relationship. Mm -hmm. It's not about religion. You know, religion is getting up every Sunday, washing, getting dressed and going to a building and listening to someone talk and then coming back home, eating fried chicken, blah, blah, blah. Relationship is opening up that book and learning the word for yourself and how to apply it to your daily life and then trying to live a life that would be pleasing to God. Mm -hmm. So um, his teaching along with the foundation that my grandmother laid for me is what allowed me to be able to have the walk of faith that I now have. Okay. And what I've learned is that I learned a few things. I learned one that our walk of faith is not easy. That we are going to stumble. We are going to fall. The thing is, we cannot allow ourselves to be defeated. The Bible In the Bible, it says that Satan is like a roaring lion searching for someone to devour. If we remember in the book of Job, God and Satan had a conversation on that very subject. God basically asked Satan, you know, have you have you tried, you know, my son Job? Satan, you know, and I'm just paraphrasing, Satan basically was like, let me get a crack at him. And God says, you can do whatever you want to do, but you can't kill him. And Satan did all Satan could to uh, shake Job's faith. But he couldn't. Even though um, he was able to infiltrate his wife, he was able to infiltrate his friends, all trying to get Job to curse God, Job would not do it. Because Job was a man of strong faith. But it just goes to show you that that Satan is always out here and always attempting to find ways to try to take us out. I learned that through um, the book of Ephesians, which is one of my favorite books, I learned a few things. The first things I learned about was um, putting on the full armor of God and knowing that you need to have that armor on in order to in order to be prepared that without that armor you'll be defeated satan will take you out you know in a heartbeat because that's what satan wants to do separate us from the love of christ mm -hmm. so i learned that there were a few things that we have to make sure that on a daily basis we cannot leave without and that's the the six pieces of armor there are three that we have to put on right off the bat okay the moment we get up before our feet even touch the floor we should be giving thanks for the fact that we were we were awakened and awakened in our right minds and able to move our bodies you know with all our faculties and senses intact mm -hmm. we can do that while we lay right there in the, in, in the bed but as our feet get ready to touch the floor there are some things that we need to we need to remember 
and I'll, I'll read them verbatim, you know, if you don't mind. In Ephesians uh, 6, verses, uh, I believe it's 13 through 17. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day comes of evil, you may be able to stand your ground. After you have done everything to stand. So you're being told right off the bat that you have to put this armor on because there are going to be bad days. Mm -hmm. Right. The book says that that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So that means we all going to have good days and we all going to have bad days. It goes on to say, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So the first thing we want to do is make sure that we, we are armed obviously in the word so that we understand truth. We got to know what's truth. We got to know what's fact. We got to know what's untrue. We got to know what's false. Mm -hmm. Right. We got to have on the breastplate of righteousness. That breastplate is basically designed to protect our hearts because God doesn't necessarily look at our minds. God looks at our hearts. Yes. So we want our hearts to be protected with God's word. We want to have on our feet have to be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So the book also says, be quick to listen, be slow to speak mm -hmm. and be slow to anger. So we got to make sure that we're in the right frame of mind so that when this evil comes at us, we can handle it the right way mm -hmm. so that we're not we're not when they say the um, the readiness. Right. Feet fitted with the readiness. If you remember back in the Roman days, uh, what made the Roman soldiers so much more superior than other uh, uh, armed forces in addition to their fighting skills was how they were prepared. Their sandals had spikes underneath the bottom of them mm -hmm. in order to keep their their footing secure. Regardless of the terrain that they fought on, they could fight and know that their 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 feet would be secure on the ground. They wouldn't slip and slide, thus lose their balance and become an easy mark, an easy target, an easy prey. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that our that our feet are ready in this gospel of peace, knowing that, you know, I'm armed, I'm filled with God's word and you can't, you won't be able to knock me down, strike me down. You know, I'll be able to fight and fight accordingly. So those are the three things that we have to have on us right away. Then there are three things that we have to take up with us, which is the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Mm -hmm. So, we got to have that shield of faith, right? Our faith is what protects us from all of the nonsense that we're being exposed to right. out here in this world, right? right? Having on that helmet of salvation means, you know, at least to me, I interpret that to mean being able to hear God speak to me, being able to sit still at times and, and hear what God has to say for me so that I know that when I walk, I can walk boldly and regardless of what I'm being bombarded with, I hear God's word throughout the midst of all of that. Mm -hmm. and, and I walk in the right way. 
and then the sword of the spirit. Some folks tend to to use that metaphor, meaning the Bible is my sword. Mm -hmm. So my word, the words that I need can be found in the Bible. So so if I'm getting up in the morning and I'm praying, because as you go on to Ephesians um, 6, the word pray comes up quite a lot. Mm -hmm. So that means get up in the morning and have a conversation with God. Have some prayer. Open up that book. Find a scripture that touches your heart, that gets your mind right, gets your heart right, gets you ready for the day, and then go on about your business. Mm-hmm. And as you, as you, as we develop that relationship with God, these are the things that become second nature, and they're not easy to do. So while I say this, I don't try to. I don't want anybody to think that you know it's an easy task because it's not. The faith walk is very hard. Like I said in the beginning, the moment we think that we've arrived is the moment that we will find ourselves lost. This is a constant battle. It is a daily battle. So if you get up in the morning and you're late for work, you're rushing to get out the door so you can get to your job. You may not be thinking about praying. You may not be thinking about opening up a Bible, trying to read a scripture and verse, because at that point, you you don't have time. Let's keep it real. We ain't got time. Mm -hmm. However, the moment we do think about it, then we need to make sure that we find time to have that moment of time with God so that before that day is over, we have had that relationship. We have had that connection. Right, right. Right? So we want to make sure we do that. And then, uh, so what makes me happy about about my faith walk what makes me happy about my faith walk um also in the book of ephesians uh was found in ephesians 2 and three of my favorite verses uh came under ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10 and they say uh for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Mm -hmm. And when you take, that's a lot to take in and a lot to digest. But when you take this in and digest it for me, I digest it, but then I, I, I bring it back out. So instead of going from eight to 10, I go from 10 to eight and I've learned to apply that to my life. And I've learned to apply that to my perception of people, especially when you go to church, because at the end of the day, uh, you try to find your church home so that you can be with people of like mind, not sheep. Like, you know, we like to use these days, people, sheeple, being woke, the woke movement, all that nonsense. But you want to be with people of like mind who believe, who believe that we're here for a purpose and our purpose is to serve God and serve others. And and so you want to find a place that does what you believe, you know, in the way that you believe it so that you join in Mm -hmm. and, and, and keep your faith walk strong. But these three verses mean a lot to me in my daily uh, application in life is because verse 10 says that we're God's handiwork. Yes. Created to do good works. Prepared in advance. 
meaning we already have gifts and talents that God has given us. We have to find them. We have to unlock them. These are the things that we're passionately uh, about that we would do if no one saw us do them. We would do them if we were in a crowd. We would do them if we got paid. We would do them if we got nothing. We do them simply because it's what's on our heart to do. It's the love that we have and the joy that we get from doing it. Mm -hmm. So whatever that is, how do we then take that and turn that over to God and say, God, use this gift and talent that you've instilled in me for your good works, for the good of your kingdom. Mm -hmm. That's what verse 10 is saying. Verse nine says, not by works so that no one can boast. This is where God is now saying, while you may have these gifts and talents, be humble. Mm-hmm. Be humble because regardless of the church, how great we might think it is or not, we have people in our churches, we have people in our mosques, we have people in our temples, whatever edifice it is you go to, we have people there who, uh, as my pastor likes to say, and I've adopted that phrase too, uh, you have these people who are so heavenly minded that, that they are no earthly good. Mm-hmm. And these are the ones that like to sit up in the front and like to often come in with all their, you know, jewelry on and the latest and the greatest of ever uh, of whatever and all their regalia. And they don't actually walk. They hover. They float. They look down on others. They sit in a spot that they consider to be their their spot. So if you're sitting there when they arrive, they need they need you to get up and move or scoot over because that's their spot. <laughs> you know, they can actually turn people away because of the attitudes that they carry. Yes. Because they forget that is that it is not by works so that no one can boast. So it's not about how much money you give. It is not about how much you do. Take that now into verse eight, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So the moment that you discover God for yourself and you say, I want to follow you, God, I want you to be in my life. I want you to use me for the goodness of your kingdom. And you are now deemed saved. Then. The gifts and talents that you've been given, you want to turn over to God to, to use for his good works in order to, to serve and be a blessing to others. You want to remain humble in knowing that God gave you these talents and gifts, but they weren't for you to brag about and try to uh, make yourself become the end or be all. Mm-hmm. They were, in fact, uh, designed for you to use for the goodness of the kingdom and because you've been saved by his grace you should be so happy and so full of joy that you would willingly do these works mm-hmm. now it all the bible also says faith without works is dead right and you know we have folks that would like to say well well now isn't that kind of contradicting what what is being said about uh doing good works and things of that nature and and really it's not It can be taken out of context and be made to think that it is somewhat, um, you know, not true or somewhat um, a a contradiction. But faith without works, um, at least the way I understand it to be, simply means that 
if you're doing things but you're not doing them in the faith, then you just then you just doing stuff. Then you're just busy. Yeah. You're just being busy. You know? You're just being busy. You got you gotta have faith. You gotta believe that that um this is what God wants you to do. Uh, you'll get confirmation by by praying, by sitting back and listening with God speaking to you. You'll you'll get confirmation through others because God God comes to us in so many different ways that when you least expect it, the confirmation that you need will come to you. It may be through a person. It may be through something that you see. Mm -hmm. It may be something that you hear. You know, I mean, like, have you ever noticed that there are times where it seems like um, what's being said at the time seems to be seems to be said specifically for you? Yes, sir. Yeah, seems like word for word, you know, that that God is stepping on your toes. <laughs> yes. God is all up in your business, putting everything out on front street. And you're saying, Lord, why are you doing me like this? <laughs> everything I've been thinking, everything I've been feeling, you just going to put it out here all in the open. And then, but then God does something so wonderful. God also gives you the solution to all of yes. it. Yes. Yes, he does. Yes. And that's when you know that it's been confirmed. Yes. Yes. You know, that's when you know that it's been confirmed. So, so I, I take Ephesians two eight through through ten, and I take Ephesians six uh, thirteen through I believe it's seventeen or eighteen. I take those things to heart. You know, there there are a lot of things in the Bible that are stories where you've got to find the nugget, try to find Jesus in it, mm -hmm. find the nugget, and use it to apply to daily life. And then there are there are some things that you know are law. And you have to take them at face value and know that these are the things that you must do. Right. But what right. you can never do is think that you've arrived. Right. Yeah. Because the moment you think that you've arrived, to me, that's the moment that that you're actually lost. And we have to understand that our faith walk is a continued journey. It never stops. It will continue right up until the day that that we're called home. And our faith is always going to be challenged. And it's it's what we do in the moments of those challenges that um, will determine how will we'll determine how far we go right. in our faith and how strong our relationship with the father is. Absolutely. You said a few things that I jotted down because it it resonated with me. Um, first of all, I thank you for sharing that you. Um, started your faith walk basically as a child because I'm always ridiculed by a few people who tell me that that was impossible, that I was, uh, you know, indoctrinated and, and stuff like that. But I, I, I don't know what they're talking about. I've always known God, always. And I think now knowing that and you had mentioned that your grandmother read the Proverbs to you, um, every single day, which is something I also did for my children, especially AJ, my son. But I can recall always knowing God, which means that my mom, who is very spiritual, who, who has always loved the Lord, most likely 
read and worshiped and praised God within her spirit out loud, all while she was pregnant with all her kids, and, and which would make it make sense that I seem to have never been without God. You, you you call what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I follow you exactly. Right. So I think by you also, I had another guest who said the same thing. By you confirming that, it, it, it gives me, it, it tells me, look, you already know who you are and whose you are. And you don't have to always be pulled in by other people's negativity about who you are. But you mentioned also, too, about um, being part of different um secular, not secular, uh, uh, sects of um, uh, religion, Jehovah's Witness, the um, Sanctified Church, a Baptist Church, which is also um, one of my um, discoveries as well. When we were younger, my mom was a Jehovah's Witness. And it's funny that you said what you said about the transfusions. And I'm going to say this because I know this is what makes me want to stay faithful and knowing what God has done for me. I... um, had a blood, I have not had, you always have it. I have a blood disorder, a blood disorder that in order for me to get relief would have required blood transfusions. You want, I have beta thalassemia. And um, so what would happen to me when I was a little girl is that I would get incredibly weak because my hemoglobin would just drop to the point of where a blood transfusion was necessary. But as you mentioned, my mother at that time, being a Jehovah's Witness, blood transfusions were out of the question. You wasn't doing that, you know. And I, I, as you were talking to me, I literally was listening very carefully and realized how much I suffered as a child because of that, because of the religion. I remember the doctors literally telling my mom that I wouldn't live to be 21. And it was in that moment that my faith grew stronger because I prayed and I begged to survive and to be well and to be whole. Now, my mother only knew that I had uh, a, a blood disorder. She didn't know what at the time, whatever. She may have been told but didn't really have the mindset to understand it. I didn't find out, however, what was actually wrong with me until I was an adult. In fact, in 2011, when I almost bled out, is when I discovered that I actually had beta thalassemia. And um, it's amazing to me, at that particular point, I knew exactly how God's hand was on me from the very beginning. It's whose report are you going to believe? I understood that verse. Am I gonna believe this doctor that says I may not live to be 21? Or am I going to believe God's word that says I am with you always? And I had immense faith and trust in this entity that I didn't really know, but knew. You, you follow what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. I follow you wholeheartedly. Okay, so my whole entire life has been about me not wanting to let go. And knowing that there was a God who liked the stories. I love the stories in the Bible. I've said it before. I'll say it again. He, I understood Hagar when she recognized that God was the God who saw her. God, to me, he was the God who saw me. And because he saw me, I knew that he was with me. And all of the strength and everything I did, and I willed myself to be stronger even when I wasn't stronger, willed myself to be upright even when I wanted to be on the floor because I was just too weak to be upright. You know what I mean? 
mm-hmm. my whole entire life became me depending so solely on this God that I knew. It driven me. I was driven, totally driven, which is where my whole entire life became driven through every single thing that I've done in my life, through my marriages, through the pain and the suffering and everything that I went through. It was always my faith in knowing that this is the God who sees me. He brought me from here. I'm here. He was with me then. He's with me now. And as I'm about to approach 60, I know what a blessing as I look out over my life and see how far I've come. But I'm in this place where I start to feel like I'm stuck. What do I do now? And then I lost my mom, who was my soul person. She was my faith walk person. And I lost her in a matter of days with no warning, no, and my faith was so strong, Keith. I prayed all the way on the plane, the two hours it took me to get from New Jersey to Charlotte, believing and trusting and knowing this is not going to happen. And then it happened, and I had questions. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. So it's been difficult, and I've needed to, to hear these sessions in which I find myself having. And again, like I said, I apologize for not recording you for the first 35 minutes, but I understand that that was God speaking directly to me, telling me about my faith, reminding me to keep it, reminding me not to get careless and take off my full armor understanding that there might be questions, but I need to keep going. Amen. That I will soon find those answers, even if I don't know them right now. So Ephesians, even though that's your favorite, and I love all parts of the Bible, trust me, every single one of them, I know it, (laughs) but I never, I stopped thinking about it. And even though I just did a lesson three or four weeks ago, indicating those same things, to individuals about putting on their full armor. I think there were times when I didn't put on my full armor. Mm. You follow what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I think I may have left the house without my sword, without my shield, without my helmet of salvation. And this is just a reminder that I need to not do that. I need to protect myself more now than Absolutely. Than before. So I want to thank you for for sharing and not just sharing with me, but having what it takes to repeat yourself because I know someone else needed to hear that as well. So I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you. Thank you for that. Now, I also want to talk about um, studying. We know that the scripture tells us to study, to show ourselves approved. And I'm really shocked at many people who tell me that they don't read the Bible. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, uh, me, me either. I mean, you have to. You, how are you going to know the Bible simply from uh, going to church on Sunday? But I think that's the belief, that if I sit in this pew, the pastor's going to eventually pretty much tell me everything that's in this Bible. No, nah, it's not that way. 
not gonna happen that way. The here's a here's Jesus with with a parable, right? And, and like I said, I don't I don't I don't know the Bible, you know, a hundred percent. I'm no scholar in the Bible, but I know where to find things. Um, and in Matthew's thirteen, one of the many parables that Jesus spoke on. He said, a farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell amongst thorns, which grew up, choked the plants. Still others fell on good soil where it produced a crop. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So what is Jesus saying in this parable? How do we apply that to daily life? For the folks who don't want to learn the Bible for themselves, when you're sitting in the pew and the pastor is giving us these seeds and service is over are you the persons who by the time you get to your vehicle can't even remember what the service was about mm-hmm. yeah right mm-hmm. because some of the seed falls along the path the birds come and quickly eat it eat it up mm-hmm these are the folks who get the word, but the word doesn't stick with them. Because their mind is everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? By the time they get to the vehicle and, and was approached by a stranger and asked, how was service? Oh, service was great. Yeah, what were we talking about? Eh, well, I don't quite remember, but, you know, but they sang. They sure sang up a storm today. And, 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 and the kitchen ministry put their foot in them grits and eggs and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Then you got some some seeds that falls on rocky places uh, and they sprang up quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. And and but but then the sun came up and the plants were scorched because they didn't have any root. Right. These are our folks who hear the word and get all fired up and get all rah rah and want to come and join the church or they uh, I'm going to go out uh, this week and I'm going to feed the homeless and I'm going to I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm gung ho for Jesus. Mm-hmm. But the sun came up. The plants were scorched and they withered because they had no no root. So the minute the heat comes minute an obstacle comes they're not rooted in anything because they're not trying to learn the bible for themselves they have nothing to anchor on so their faith gets shaken and gets lost quickly then you got some where it falls among the thorns and it chokes the plants and those are your non-believers that are listening to what's being figuring out uh, asking for a collection for the building fund, and um, you, you're saying what you're saying in order to get me to think a certain way, so that you can control my thoughts. And and uh, you know, yeah, I hear you, but I really don't hear you. 
And then lastly, you have the good soil where it takes root, where you've not only heard the, the, the lesson for the day, but you also heard your pastor say to go home and read it for yourself. You didn't miss that part. See, the pastor's job is to give you the appetizer. It's your job to go home and get the full course meal. Now, some people are happy with the appetizer. And they go to church every Sunday and they're happy with that appetizer because a word was given. And here's what it basically means. And I'm going to take that and I'm going to run with it. And on Monday, maybe everything is good. On Tuesday, maybe everything is good. But come Wednesday, you get hit with some trials. And Thursday and Friday. And Saturday. So much so that come the next Sunday, you don't even want to go to church. You don't want to be bothered. You know, what happens then? So, so to not want to take the time to learn the Bible for yourself and understand the meanings within the meanings, within the verses, to show yourself approved, you're doing yourself a discernment. Because like in Ephesians, when these evil days come, and that just that basically just means when you have those days in your life where life seems to be beating you up, you know, Satan seems to be at your doorstep, your faith is being shaken, question becomes, what are you going to do? What are you anchored in? Are you anchored in sand where you can easily be moved and easily be swayed, you know? Are you anchored in solid ground? You know, where, where, yeah, I might bend, but I'm not going to break. Yeah, I might stumble. I'm going to dust myself off and get back up. Yeah, I know I'm being, I'm being bombarded with whatever it is Satan is throwing at me. But because I understand the book and because I understand the relationship that I have with, with the father and what that relationship entails, I am now knowledgeable enough. I have enough wisdom within me to understand that I have a breakthrough coming and Satan wants to derail me from it. And that's why he's trying to beat me up. I'm a threat because I'm part of God's army. That's why he's trying to beat me up. So you know what? Come on at me, devil. Give me, give it to me. Give it to me. I'm still going to rock with Jesus. I'm still going to walk with the father. Right? Yeah, though you slay me. Not changing a thing. You know, and our faith can be rocked when we lose those that are closest to us, when we pray and we feel that because we've prayed and because we consider ourselves righteous people, that our prayer will be enough and that God will say, okay, um, I've heard your prayers and therefore a miracle is going to happen and I'm not taking your loved one from you. No, that's not, that's not always the case. Not always the case because God's thoughts, God's thoughts are not our thoughts, and God's ways are not our ways. And 
that person, that being that housed uh, God's spirit did what it was supposed to do. It did what it was supposed to do. And it is now time for that spirit to be joined back with the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't matter how much we might pray. And it doesn't matter how much we might plead and beg and fast. If God says it's time for that spirit to be rejoined with me, that spirit is going to be rejoined with me. And we can't, even though it's easier said than done, we cannot allow that to shake our faith. The hardest thing to do is to try to find the good while we're in that moment of sorrow and despair. God, you took my mother. You took my father. You took my husband. You took my wife. You took my child. How am I supposed to love you right now? I'm angry with you right now. I'm not feeling you at all. I'm not feeling your words. Everything that's in here is a lie because you said I can do all things through you. You said you would never leave me. You said all things are possible in you. You said if I sought you first, everything else I would be given. You told me these things. I've followed these things as faithfully as I know how. And now you're taking people from me that I love. You're a hypocrite. That's what Satan wants you to believe. That's what Satan wants you to believe. That's what Satan wants us to believe. That's how Satan, that's how Satan begins to build the wedge between us and our relationship with God. Right, right. I agree with you. But fortunately, I'm gonna say, fortunately, those were not my thoughts. <laughs> Thank God. They were Thank not God. My yes. Thank God. Because you take the time to read the Bible. Yes. <laughs> you yes. take the time to understand God's word for yourself. Yes. And not just listen on Sunday, whether it's on the radio or go to a church or watch a sermon on TV. Because you know that a relationship with God is so much more. Yes. And I, I, I praise God that I have a relationship. I have an understanding. There was never any questioning or hatred or moving away. None of that. So, you know, thank you. <laughs> That's all I can say is thank you. Because mm -hmm. it's not by my own spirit that um, that I think uh, I'm human. So I think the human side of me would have felt those things. But I thank God for the spirit that leads me. So I, I did not have those thoughts at all. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about mentoring a little bit. We still got a little bit of time. Sure. Um, how important is it to you? Mentoring is very important. Um, as you know, I'm um, currently the chairperson for our men's ministry. Mm -hmm. We lead a, a program uh, that is uh, called Boot Camp. Uh, boot Camp is actually an acronym. Uh, the Boot Camp acronym stands for Because of Others' Testimonies, Christ Answered My Prayers. Oh, great. This... Um, is not by my doing, but I, but um, I was I we were blessed to uh, to be given this information through a great pastor. 
His name is uh, Pastor Darrell K. Webster. Mm -hmm. uh, God inspired him to write a book called Small Change, Great Impact. Um, it can be found, shameless plug, it can be found on Amazon and other places. Mm -hmm. Small Change, Great Impact. And Small Change, Great Impact is the, is the blueprint for boot camp. Okay. Okay. And and it is designed, you know, with boot camp being the metaphor for you know our armed forces. So so you have a a, a platoon leader, you have squads, you have squad leaders, and then you have members within the squads uh, who have battle buddies, mm -hmm. and um, and you have seven stations that you go through within the book. The first station is humility. Second station is submission. The third station is um, understanding the devil. The uh, fourth station is getting closer to God. The fifth station is strongholds. The sixth station is laying down the weight. And the seventh station is falling in love with Jesus. Okay. And, and the mentoring pro process basically goes, and, 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 and you know, again, paraphrasing, but it sort of goes like this. We take in all men, uh, young boys from the age of 18 and above, and we, we kind of put a, 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 a an emphasis on the age only because once you get into these testimonies, a lot of things that's being talked about are things that boys that are 7, 8, 12, 13, not things that they need to be hearing, not things that they need mm -hmm. to be influenced by. So your first two pillars, humility and submission. These are the two things that we learn first about ourselves as men that have to be changed. We have egos. We're alphas. You don't tell me what to do. I'm not listening to another man. I'm not telling my, my information to another man and have some other man try to tell me how to live my life. Mm -hmm. I have to get rid of this ego. Okay, another acronym for ego, E-G-O, edging God out. I got I to gotta not have God not be part of the equation. I've got, I've got to get rid of that ego. I've got to humble myself. I've got to learn humility in that first station. Submission, second station. I've got to learn and understand that to submit is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength. And that to submit does not mean I'm bending a knee for anything as much as it means I'm getting myself in alignment with God and God's word. So I'm humbling myself and I'm getting myself in alignment with, with God's word and what God has to say for me. Immediately we move to station three, which is understanding the devil. And why do we need to understand this? Why do we need to know how to resist the devil? Because if I am a non-believer, if I am someone who's struggling with my faith, if I am someone who is curious about what God has to offer because I've been out here in the world, I've sold drugs, I've hung out, I've womanized, I've, I've been a whoremonger, whatever it is I've been doing, you know, my gambling, uh, you know, profanity, whatever it is I'm, I'm, I'm hooked in. I now want to clean myself up. I want to do better. I've done pretty much everything else. I might as well give this God thing a try. Okay, so I'm willing to humble myself and I'm willing to, to line myself up. Well, it's right at that point. Satan's not waiting. Satan says, uh-oh, I'm about to lose one. 
I'm got I gotta intervene and I gotta intervene quick. So it's in station three where you learn about the the armor of God, how to apply it and why it needs to be applied. So that you understand this fight is not about flesh and blood, it's spiritual, and this fight, this war is going on 24-7. Even while we sleep, there's a battle going on for our souls. So we, we learn that in station three. Why? Because station four is getting closer to God. It's amazing how God gave this brother the inspiration to write this book and then put it together in the format that he did. I'm humbling myself. I'm lining myself up with God's word. And now here comes the devil to try to separate me. Why? Because as I'm lining myself up and humbling myself, my uh, it's, it's naturally going to progress me to a closer walk with God. So Satan's job is to derail me, to keep me from getting close to God. Why is that? Because in station five, station five is where I'm going to deal with my strongholds. So station five is where we come clean. We're not going to come clean with everything because the boot camp is a continuous process. We're still doing it as I speak to you today. But in station five, we 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 have an open forum where we give a testimony on those things that we're not too proud to talk about. Those things that we hide or shamefully cry about in the dark. And then we take one of those things that might be the most uh, serious, the most nearest to our hearts and minds at the time, and we write it down on paper. And then we get together, we put it all in a bucket, and we burn it. Okay. So that it, we pray over it and we burn it. We we sing songs. We we pump ourselves up so that um, we never go back to those, or we make the attempt to never go back to that particular stronghold again. Okay. Do you have a success rate? Oh, we have a we have a success rate because because it's a continual process. It is a continual peeling of the onion, if you will. Okay. Station six, laying down the weight. It's those remaining strongholds. It's saying, okay, I got this backpack full of full of garbage, full of all types of iniquities, and in dealing with my strongholds in station five, I've now learned how to start to lighten the weight. So I begin to do that. Okay. And and then station seven, falling in love with Jesus. How can I not fall in love with a man who loved me, who didn't even know me, mm-hmm. who was willing to lay his life on the line for me and die for my sins? And then and and it's a repeat. It's a repeat process. Mm-hmm. We got to continually keep ourselves humble. We have to continually keep ourselves in alignment. We have to continually. Make sure we're wearing our armor and understand who the enemy is, why the enemy is, and how to deal with this enemy. This faith walk that you and I are talking about, Mm -hmm. getting closer to God, we have to understand and accept the fact that this is a continual process. Right. right. Until the day we die, Mm -hmm. this is a continual process. Never stop and think that you've arrived because things are going well in your life at that moment. Because the moment you do that, it's the moment that you're going to be lost. 
Right. We got we got to be willing to confess our sins. Hence the nature of the acronym because of others' testimonies. Christ answered my prayers. Mm -hmm. When you're sitting amongst your brothers or your sisters and, and you're listening to these testimonies and here you are thinking your life was jacked up. <laughs> now you find somebody else's life was even jacked up more than yours. But yet but yet they're surviving. Mm hmm. Testimonies strengthen you. The testimonies teach you that, yes. you know, there are some folks who have already gone through the storm that you're going through and they can help you. There are some that are going through the storm that you're going through at the same time. They can walk with you. There are some who have not gone through these storms yet. We can help prepare them for when their time comes. Because like we talked about, everyone's going to have an evil day. Mm hmm. We need to be prepared for those bad days. And we need to know that ju that Jesus loves us and loves us so much that he said that he would give us rest. That his yoke is easy. Right. So laying down that weight should become a gradual thing. We should continually be emptying out the, the weight that's in our backpack that's, that's dragging us down. And, and so from there, we begin to build up uh, our faith. We begin to strengthen. We have we have a battle buddy that we can call, that we can talk to in our moments of weakness, mm -hmm. in our moments of, of just being down. We can call and talk to when we got a praise report. You know, we can we can get with to to keep each other encouraged. Mm -hmm. And and you know, in addition to uh, following the uh, the boot camp lifestyle, learning the Bible, understanding um, you know the different scriptures and the different parables and how to apply them to your life, so that what we what we learn is that you know God has a place for us. That you know there is a reason why men need the church and the church need men. There's a reason why we need to have a connection with the Father and. Excuse me, getting men to understand that. Unlocking all of that inside of them to let them know that they are so much more mm -hmm. and that we were put here to do good works that God already instilled in us and that we should do them joyfully because of God's grace and mercy. And it's not about how much we do. Again, right? It's not about the works. Right, right. Right? right? I mean, you could do one good thing and immediately be called home and someone not understand why. Right. And it's because you found Christ. God saved your soul. There was a good work in you that God needed done. You fulfilled it. And God said, your work is done. Come on home, soldier. Right. Mm -hmm. We won't understand it. Because God's ways are not our ways. Mm -hmm. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Mm -hmm. But we mentor with, with men to get men to understand that there is a better way. And then to take that home and mentor that to their kids. Now, we do a, we do a youth version where we take uh, certain things that are meant specifically for the men mm -hmm. and restructure it so that it pertains to the youth. And we take some of the same, we take everything that's in there, but we just make it plain at a level that they would understand. Okay. You know, whereas they may not be addicted to drugs and alcohol and women, 
Right, right. <laughs> they are addicted to video games. games yeah. <laughs> they are addicted to the TV. Right, right. You know what I mean? So you, you find, you, you meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can still apply the same, um, you know, emphasis that the book speaks on to, to, to mentor them as well. Okay. And I enjoy it. And Good. I find that that's my passion. Oh. I find that that's the thing that I would be willing to do whether I got paid for it or not, Mm -hmm. that I would do willingly any day of the week, you know, without question, without hesitation. Mm -hmm. And it's the thing that I would love to get more deeply involved in once I retire. Okay. So can you tell us once again, the church in which you go to that has this program and, you know, tell us, one more time, where that is, in case somebody's interested. Let me ask a question, though. Has COVID shut down the church at the moment, or are you still meeting? No, COVID has shut down our church just like it oh, shut down okay. every other church. Okay. But our church, you know, like a few churches, had been progressive with streaming. Mm-hmm. And we've been streaming since, oh, I want to say maybe 2011. 2012, okay. somewhere around in there, 2010, 2011. We've been streaming. So when the church, when the when the governor, you know, shut down the the uh, the state, and we stopped physically being in the building, mm-hmm. it didn't stop what we do. You know, the pastor, the pastor reports there, mm-hmm. um, the worship ministry reports there, and you know, obviously some some. Uh, some of the workers that need to be there in security. Right, but right. other than that, no member of the church is, is set foot inside the building. Okay. We have church online and, and our membership is actually growing. Right. You know, first Baptist church of Lincoln gardens. If you, if you, uh, uh, go into your, your websites and, and look for uh, type in, uh, uh, FBC Somerset, dot mm-hmm. com it'll it'll take you to our church's website and from there you just click on the worship live mm-hmm. and you can get into it okay. if you go if you got facebook you get on facebook type in first baptist church of lincoln gardens it'll bring it up and you can worship with us off of, off of facebook okay we have membership. We have membership all over the country. We've got membership all over the globe. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing because um, there might be a few people who are looking for um, some place where they can worship, where they could, you know, sign on to, scream into, and learn a little bit more and maybe be mm-hmm. encouraged. And I really hope my listeners are encouraged to. Um, read the Bible for themselves, not because someone told you to, or because, you know, it's a religious thing to do, but simply because you desire it. You desire to study. You desire to, to understand it a little bit more so that you can be closer to God. The whole idea is for us to make our way back to our creator. And he gives us so many ways to do that. So many ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we have to understand that um, this is not complicated. Mm-hmm. Man makes things complicated for any number of reasons. Any number of reasons. One of them actually, you know, usually, I shouldn't say actually, but one of them usually has to do with money. Right. 
You know, and the Bible talks about money. The Bible talks a lot about money, but more so in how to manage the resources that you have. Mm -hmm. In not so much in terms of idolizing it. Right, right. A lot of the self-help books that you have out here, at the end of the day, when you break them down to their core, somewhere in there, you can find a scripture that applies to that self-help book. So even the self-help uh, gurus are getting their information from the Bible, whether they realize it or not. Yeah, of course. It's chock you know, full of information. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, one of the young men that attended one of our boot camps, he put it very plain. One of the coldest books, you know, and just using some street slang here. One of the coldest books out here is the Bible. It's got truth. Mm -hmm. It's got fact. It's got murder. Mm -hmm. It's got sex. It's got war. It's got violence. It's got action. It's got everything. Mm -hmm. In that one book. And it's a book that no matter how many years we've been on this planet, its word has not changed. Its yeah. word was applicable then and is still applicable now. Absolutely. You know? But it only who, who, works who, who, when we apply it to our lives. Exactly. Yeah. Who, who would not want to read a book that has all of that to offer? Right. Right. And, and the thing that things that that as you learn to read the book and understand what's in it, I would say uh, a few things, you know, try to get yourself a knowledgeable person that you can study with. Definitely get yourself a concordance so that you can understand the nuances of how the book is written, mm -hmm. because certain words have certain meanings right. at certain times mm -hmm. within the scripture in the context of how it's being read. Exactly, yes. So you have to have that as well, mm -hmm. you know? And, and then know that, you know, on a, on a, 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 a higher level, so to speak, um, it really isn't that deep. It mm -hmm. really isn't that deep. You have an Old Testament and you have a New Testament. The Old Testament was all about law. God was... God was, oh man, God was tough. You didn't do what God wanted, you got struck down. Period. God was, God's judgment was swift. You have a New Testament where God's son intercedes on our behalf. Where, where God's son says it doesn't take all that, you know, anymore. You just need to have a relationship with me and I will intercede on your behalf. Mm -hmm. And so, we look at it um, no differently than the relationship that we have for, for whom we may love the most, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it be your, your parents, whether it be your spouse, whether it be your kids. What does that relationship look like? There's a lot of conversation. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of being there for one another. There's a lot of nurturing that goes on. There is, there is some chastisement, but the chastisement is to make you better, make you stronger. Right, of course. Mm -hmm. Right? There, there is a lot of motivation and upliftment. Mm -hmm. That's a relationship. Right, right. Right? The person that you see on the street that you may say, hey, how's it going? You know, how's your family? 
everything's good and you keep it moving. That's an acquaintance. Mm -hmm. That's someone you just happen to see, someone you happen to know. That's what most people who go to church on Sunday but never open up the Bible again until the following Sunday or don't open up the Bible at all. They just wait for this, the pastor to tell you he is the scripture and verse. That's what they're doing. They're the person that's speaking to the person that's passing by. But the person who tries to learn the Bible and understand the scriptures for themselves and how to apply it for themselves, they're the person that's having that relationship. Right. Like they have with their spouse, with their child, with their parent. Right. They want to go deeper in understanding God's word. Absolutely. That's really what the difference is. It's not it's not complicated. Yes, absolutely. I agree. And you have to want that. That can't be forced upon you. Nobody can make that happen for you. There has to be a desire deep within you to want that. And when you do want that, then, like you said, the rest of it is easy. It's not complicated after that. I think the most complicated part of it is you making a decision as to whether or not you want to have this relationship or not. I think most people are torn not once they get, once they made a decision, but torn making the decision. Oh, absolutely, Caroline. I believe that 100%. I'm with you 100%. Yeah. Because, because of all of the false teachings that's out here. Right, right. You know, and, and most of it sounds very convincing. You have some who will tell you religion is nothing more than a tool used to enslave man, to make man think a certain way, while those who created the religion lives, you know, the fabulous life. Well, we're not going to be ignorant and we're not going to not understand that religion has been used as a weapon and a tool. It has been. I'm not saying that it was created that way. I'm saying evil men, wicked men, women, whoever, have used it as a tool to... Um, discriminate to to put in bondage it has been used for a tool it has been used as a weapon but I think we don't want to throw away the baby with the bathwater. and I think that's where so much of the confusion comes in is let us not Jesus said this he said when speaking about the Pharisees the ones the Pharisees and the Sadducees who literally had the law and was literally being the one who distributed it because there were no Bibles back then. He says, do what they say, but don't do what they do. It was an understanding that yes, you, you see what's happening and it ain't right, but there are some things that you need to, you need to know. And, and the way my mother would put it is, eat the meat and spit out the bones. You, you follow what I'm saying? Uh -huh. So you, uh -huh. you have to know that there's gonna be some stuff but you're going to have to wade through it. The whole purpose is to overcome. And what is it that we're overcoming? All the stuff that we need to get rid of. You know? Another passage. We're going to let the wheat and the tares grow together. And then in harvest time, it'll be the angels that come and make the separation. So don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. Don't look at religion as being... All right, I'm not going to do this because it's wicked, it's corrupt. It could be wicked and corrupt. I'm not saying it, it you know, we, we all know it could be. But I'm saying it would behoove you to get what you can get out of it. 
and to throw Absolutely. throw away the bad and keep what's good. And you do that by depending on the Holy Spirit. Because as Jesus pointed out, I will not leave you helpless. The Holy Spirit is there to teach you truth. He's the spirit of truth. You should be able to decipher what is true and what is not true. And you don't do it by your own might, but you do it through the spirit of God who gives you the spirit of truth to be able to maneuver and get through this. Absolutely. Yeah, I say that so that individuals know, don't, don't throw the Bible away. Don't throw any book, sacred book away. Read it, understand it, search it. Scripture tells us to test every spirit. But look to the spirit of God to be able to help you to determine what's good and what's not. That's right. That's right. Dr. Tony Evans. Dr. Tony Evans, someone else who I like to listen to at times and, uh, and listen to some of his readings and teachings. Uh, religion, again, it gets back to religion versus relationship. Mm-hmm. If you're practicing religion, you're easily going to be swayed. Right. But if you have a relationship with God, you know, like you said, you're eating the meat and you're spitting out the bones. A lot of what what we tend to think is religion isn't even in the Bible. <laughs> exactly. That's my point. We put we put the do's and don'ts on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Where we are the reasons why. We think following God's word isn't cool. Right. And that if you become a quote unquote Christian, you basically have to stop living. Right. And you have to live a life of suffering. Bible doesn't say that. No, but man says that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, so we, we have to be wiser than that. We have to, as you, as we get into this relationship, we learn that you don't read the Bible the way you pick up a novel. Mm-hmm. You don't read it from cover to cover and think that you're going to understand it because that's not how it's read. So you have to get the right Bible and then you have to have someone who's of knowledge teach you how to navigate through the Bible. And you will find that the Bible will take you all throughout all of the 66 books, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, And, and you'll read a particular scripture and verse, but then you need to follow that up with the scripture and verse someplace else in order to understand the full embodiment of what you read and how to apply it to your life. Right. Which is why you need to get a study partner, which is why you, you need to go to study, which is why you again need to learn the Bible for yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and not just what you hear on Sunday, you know, and, and when it comes to, you know, again, getting back to the, the original, part of the conversation about our faith and our faith walk you know most of the heroes in the bible were flawed yes so if if we're trying to be perfect and then holding ourselves using our own thinking now holding ourselves accountable at such a level that really isn't attainable that is only in the end going to bring about our defeat you know, we're doing ourselves a disservice. Most of the heroes in the Bible are flawed. Mm-hmm. David was a man after God's own heart. David was a murderer and an adulterer. Mm-hmm. Noah was a drunk. Moses murdered and was a stutterer. 
Samson was a womanizer. Samson in today's environment would be considered a play. Mm -hmm. Samson is the one that's riding around in the Mercedes Benz or the Rolls Royce Phantom, you know, got on all the bling, being able to get all the women, you know, has a gift of gab and at the time is using it for all the wrong reasons. I think our definition of perfection is different from a spiritual definition of perfection because clearly Jesus said, be the perfect for I am perfect. But I think our view of perfection is not the same view. Um, We understand righteousness to be different from what the world might think. Um, Abraham was counted righteous because he believed God. I think David was... um, called the apple of God's eye and considered perfect in God's sight because David always recognized when he did something wrong and he always sought God's forgiveness. I think our perfection, when we talk about being perfect, it is in acknowledging that, yes, we make mistakes, but we confess our mistakes to God and we ask for forgiveness and we know that God will forgive us. I think our perfection is understanding who God is and understanding our obedience to him. And being able to, to acknowledge when we are not being obedient. David was all those things that you just said. But what David always was, was someone who understood that he didn't sin against himself. He sinned against God. And it hurt him to know that he sinned against God. When Nathan brought that to his attention, it was devastating to him. Not because of what he did in the fleshly, but because he knew how much it displeased God. So I think, yeah, so I think when we look at ourselves as being perfect, it is not the way the world sees perfection because clearly we have flaws. But if you are true and honest and have a desire in your heart to live according to God's will, I think God looks upon you with perfection because he knows that your righteousness comes from him and you know it too. Absolutely. And that's why I threw that out there because I want whoever should happen to listen to this, to understand that, you know, the Bible is full of heroes, God's heroes, God's champions, but all of them were flawed. All of them had something about them that wasn't right, but God saw fit to use them anyway. That's right. So who are we to think that we can't be used as well? Exactly. So, so don't let what you may have done rock your faith to the point where you no longer want to have a relationship with God. Exactly. That is exactly we're gonna the con- point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We are, we are going to have our bad days. We are going to have our moments of weakness. We are going to have um, our, our um, opportunities or situations where, whereby we are susceptible to Satan attacking us. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand that God can still find value in us. God can still use us. Because at the end of the day, we were made for his good works. Mm-hmm. To do what it is God had instilled in us to do. Which is the reason why he was willing to sacrifice his life and save us. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what that work is or how much of work it is, is that whatever the work is, we do it and we do it to bring him glory. Exactly. 
Exactly. You know, it's really not that deep. And the more we understand the Bible for ourselves, the more we come to understand that it's really not that deep. I think it all boils down to your desire. Because what's great about this and what I find great about all this is I've always understood choices and consequences. And when we go to the beginning of the book, we understand that that was the first thing that was presented to us, choices and consequences. Adam and Eve had choices and they made a choice and they suffered the consequences. Absolutely. I think when we understand that as well, it is not um, God doing this to us or God doing that to us or not doing something to us. It's a matter of being freed so that we can go back to the way things were at the beginning, understanding that we have a choice. You make the choice. You can choose how you want to live. No one can take that from you. God freed you to be able to make a choice. But you also need to know that you do not get to choose the consequences. They have already been put out there. And that's what it boils down to, you making a choice. You can't say that we have been set free while we still continue to put people in bondage. But I think what we need to understand is that once you understand that you have a choice to make, that you can live a good life. When I say a good life, I'm talking about a life that God approves of choosing to live according to God's will. Or you can choose to live outside of God's will. Because God doesn't force your hand. But you need to also understand that there are consequences that come with your choice. And that is made clear in every part of that Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Absolutely. Absolutely. God wants us to have heaven while here on earth. Mm -hmm. And there's instruction all throughout the Bible on how to achieve that. You know, God, the, the Bible... God, God has the Bible written so that it talks a lot about love. It talks a lot about prayer. It talks a lot about money. Because God wants us to handle the resources the right way. Yeah. God doesn't want us to be in debt. No. To be in debt is to be in, in is to be enslaved. Yes. To be in bondage. Yes, sir. So you can't live the life that you want to live because you're not managing your resources the way you should because of the choices poor choices that you made exactly that goes for relationships too god mm -hmm. wants you to have good relationships to be in a bad relationship to be in a bad marriage or a bad relationship is bondage That's anything right. that puts you in bondage takes you out of god's will because it's not god's will for you to be in bondage whether it's debt bondage or whether it's relationship bondage or any other bondage that is not how we were designed to live that's not the plan that God had for our life, that we should suffer in that way. But you need right. to understand that, though. That's right. You're right. And the good works is everything that's good. I mean, it's okay for you to have a desire to be a writer, a lawyer, a garbage man, a home health aide, whatever. Because we need all those things. We need all of those things. But be the best that you can be. Don't slack in the work that you're doing. Maybe the only thing that you came on this earth to do was to be a mother. Be the best mother. Teach your children about God. Teach them how to live righteously. 
Teach them how to love mercy. Teach them how to walk humbly with their God. Maybe that's the only job that you have here on this earth. But do it to the best of your ability. Mm -hmm. So whatever the work is, it doesn't matter what it is. Just know that whatever it is that you're doing, you have the ability to do it the best you can do. And the, your best is good enough. Absolutely. Well, I thank you, sir, for having this conversation with me. It was quite enlightening. And I'm pretty sure that my guests have found it enlightening as well. So I want to thank you for stopping by and having a conversation with me. I know it's been a long time. I haven't seen you in a long time. True indeed. As these COVID stuff gets by us, eventually we should be able to get back out here. Um, my wife and I got our first shots. Uh, we get our second shots in two weeks uh, from the uh, Moderna vaccine. And then, uh, you know, we'll wait to two weeks to be up at 95% and then get back out here and get busy living. Right. I haven't had my vaccination yet. I'm on like three lists. And I keep getting these updates like, you're in the queue. <laughs> you're in the queue. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be coming up soon. Oh, yeah, it'll be coming up soon. And with, with folks, with a lot of folks opting out now that um, Johnson & Johnson has their shot and you only need to take one shot, a lot of folks are opting out of Moderna and Pfizer and hopping on Johnson & Johnson. So um, that will also move you up the other list right. quickly. Right. So I'm just waiting. So I'm pretty sure that I'm going to get my turn soon. In the meantime, I'm doing all the right things. I'm keeping six feet away. I'm wearing my mask. I'm only going to the places that I need to go to. And uh, I'm good. Make sure you're taking the cocktail. Tell me what the cocktail is. Okay. For <laughs> you and, and all those that are listening, you want to make sure you take the immune booster cocktail. That is vitamin C vitamin d3 and zinc does that come in one combination somewhere no you gotta buy buy all your vitamins separately okay. you know and follow follow the uh dietary directions that's on the bottles but okay. you want to make sure that you got vitamin c vitamin d3 and zinc in your body because those tend to uh, uh boost your immune system in such a way that that helps your body fight the virus should you uh uh, you know, be um, infected with it. I've been doing my research. I've been trying to do my homework so I understand this enemy and understand how to how to deal with it. Okay, and that's you. one of the things that you can definitely do. Thanks for sharing. So all of you out there, if you have not already started this cocktail, make sure you get started. And it sounds like something you should do anyway. So even after you get a vaccination, just continue to be healthy, eat healthy, watch what you put in your body because you are what you eat for real. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, 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 but you know, for goodness sakes, get the vaccine. Don't buy into all of the conspiracy theories that's out here. You know, and there's there's plenty of them. We don't have to sit here and, 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 and wax poetically about them. Just know that they are just that. Nothing but conspiracy theories. Take the vaccine. Uh, don't buy into it. Okay. Don't buy into it. Take the vaccines. 
understand the facts, do the research. The information is out there about the vaccines, what they do for your body, um, why um, certain groups of people may be more susceptible than others. All the information is out there, readily available. Just just go online and read it and understand it for yourself, which goes back to our, our conversation, you know, about the book and about faith. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't rely on somebody else to give us our faith. You've got to open up the book and read it and understand it and learn it for yourself. Absolutely. Treat this disease, treat this virus the exact same way. Absolutely. Okay, so will you come back um, and talk to me at another time? I'm going to have all of my guests back on a Zoom um, at the end of the year so that we can all talk about what we learned and, you know, will you come back? Oh, absolutely. Good Lord willing. I'm still here in <laughs> right shape and frame of mind, you know. You know how us, uh, uh, you know, how your husband and I are. Yeah. Us December, us December born people, you know, we low out there. But uh, <laughs> as long as God keeps me and keeps me somewhat sane, keeps me whole and keep me healthy, I'll be happy to, to come back. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm thankful that you and humbled that you thought enough of me to want to have me on one of your podcasts. And uh, I hope uh, that what I've said has made sense to someone and inspired someone and, and, and hopefully, uh, put a spark in someone to, uh, to come on out and, and learn and journey and venture for themselves. Yes, I'm pretty sure. All right, I'll make sure that the Zoom meeting is not on you or Al's birthday. I'll make sure it's... Because <laughs> I do know how you do. <laughs> All right, so um, this is Caroline Bethia Jones. You've been listening to Real Talk with Real People, a candid conversation with me (laughs) i'll be back right after this and we have come to the end of another episode my name is dr caroline bethia jones and i am your host and just a little bit of information to give you about sisters helping sisters in christ ministry Sisters Helping Sisters in Christ Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit mentoring ministry committed to forming a strong bond among women for the purpose of encouraging, motivating, uplifting, strengthening, and empowering women to achieve their goals. This ministry works toward excellence through biblical studies, spiritual awareness, empowerment classes, and life-building workshops. This program was developed to encourage, uplift, educate, and empower women who have a desire to change their lives. All levels are welcome to attend. Hope to see you again next time with another edition of Real Talk with Real People, a candid conversation with Dr. Caroline Bethia Jones. See you soon.
Good morning, and welcome to Sisters Helping Sisters in Christ Ministries' brand new podcast, Real Talk with Real People. My name is Dr. Pat Anderson, and this is my co-host, Dr. Pat.